So uh, a lot of you may have heard this story. I tell this story a lot. Um, But when I was growing up, um, and also I know my parents are watching, so this is not a slight at you, mom and dad. But when I was growing up, I always wanted to go to Disney World. I wanted to go so bad. And we never went as a family. And when I was a senior in high school, I was 18 years old, uh, my choir took a trip to Disney World. And I was pumped. It was awesome. It was so great. So the first day we went to Animal Kingdom. I was like, this is all right. I like this. Then the next day, day two, we went to uh, Magic Kingdom. And we, uh, we watched, like, the fireworks show at the, the castle. And, like, no joke, y'all, I'm, like, I'm crying. It's, I loved it so much. We, we did, like, this choir. We sang there, and we had to go in, like, this back room, like, behind, like, all the Disney World stuff. And I had someone, like, guide me because I closed my eyes because I didn't want the magic to be ruined. I didn't want to see the pipes. I didn't want to see Cinderella, like, smoking a cigarette or whatever. Like, I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see I wanted to, to hold on to the magic. I loved Disney World. And the last day, the last day we only had half a day at Hollywood Studios. And only half a day. And this was before, this was before they had this whole uh, Star Wars land, whatever, Galaxy's Edge. And if there's one thing I loved more than Disney World and Disney movies, it was Star Wars. And there was one ride in Hollywood Studios called Star Tours. Star Tours. And so you go, and it's like a, it's like a secret every time, and there's a different person. Uh, so I go, and I sit, and uh, uh, I had a fast pass for Star Tours. The only thing I had a fast pass for all day the only problem was my choir director, who was kind of a scary guy. Um, he, he is not like your average choir director. He would like threaten acts of violence against us if we, if we missed notes. It was kind of intense. It was really intense. Um, and so he was, he was an intense guy, and he said, be back here at the entrance of the park at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. Awesome. Great. I, I was like, I can do that. Until my fast pass for Star Tours was at 12.30. So I had to make a decision. Was I going to go to Star Tours and be late to the meeting place, or am I going to be on time? And in my delirium, it's the last day of this trip. I'm 18. It's hot. It's humid. I'm like, I can do it. 30 minutes? That's plenty of time. And so I go, and I get there, and of course, the fast pass line is like backed up. So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. Y'all, I didn't even get on the ride until 1 o'clock when I'm supposed to be at the, when I'm about to be at the gate. And so I get there, I ride, and then like I'm running through the park to get back. And I've got all these like younger kids with me, and I was like, we'll be fine, we're gonna be on time. And so I'm like, I'm running, right? And I see the group. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover my mic real quick. Because my, I mean, through Disney World, through Hollywood Studios, I hear my choir director go, run! I took off, man, I was so scared. So I go up and he is reaming me in front of the whole in front of the whole choir. You know, you're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to be, you know, you're you're these other kids, they they were gonna try to be here, and you were like, no, you were talking, you know, just I mean, lighting me up in front of the whole choir. And I was, I mean, I was red, I was embarrassed, I was out of breath. So he finishes up and he starts walking towards the bus, and I kind of wait and lag behind. And his wife was actually on the on the, the trip with us, and she walked up beside me and She's very gentle when she put her hand on me and she said, was it worth it? <laughs> and I was young and immature and not as wise as I am now. And 
I may be mistaken. This may, might, might have been a mistake, but I just grinned and I looked at her and I said, oh yeah. <laughs> because my love for Star Wars was so great that I thought that it was worth getting chewed out. I thought that it was worth getting embarrassed in front of everyone. I thought that it was worth having to sprint through Hollywood studios because Star Wars was worth it. I had attributed value. I loved it so much that it was worth it. So our story today, we, we, we learn a lot about worth. We're going to talk about some of the intricacies, but we see the picture of someone who is attributing worth to some, something she loves, someone she loves. So before we jump into the text, let's pray. Father God, we are so blessed to be sitting uh, in this room right now, so blessed to be reading your words that you graciously have given us as a gift. Use the Holy Spirit uh, to write these words, Father God, to inspire the author. So God, let us sit and read, not just as uh, hearers, Father, but as doers. Let this change our lives. Make us look more like Jesus. Um, make us look more like Mary, Father God, through this story. Father God, make our hearts attentive. Um, use your words, not my words, Father God, this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. So we have sort of three major things that happen uh, in this story. So like any good sermon, we're going to have three major points. But first, we've got to talk about the scene, the setting. So John sort of sets the scene for us. So six days before Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So that had just happened, like literally it had just happened. So you remember last week, Jesus has called Lazarus out of the tomb, and, and Lazarus obeyed. And uh, I heard a joke this week from someone who said, do you know why he said Lazarus come out of the tomb? Uh, because if he didn't say Lazarus, everyone would have been walking out. So I thought that was funny. So Lazarus has been resurrected. He wasn't just sick. He wasn't dying. He was dead. He had been dead. And now he had been resurrected and he came back to life. And so what do they do? They throw a party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate two things, the power of Jesus that resurrected Lazarus from the dead, but also we want to celebrate that our brother is back with us. This is a good thing. This is a great thing. Resurrection is something worth celebrating. It doesn't happen every day. It's it's light. It's fun. It's a dinner. They're, They're enjoying. They're talking. And then this really weird thing happens. This weird, like, sort of interruption to this story. So everyone's laughing, eating, having a good time, and Mary gets up and leaves the room. And she comes back and she does this, this weird thing. So here's the first thing that happens. Mary gives much. Mary gives much. So she leaves the room and she comes in uh, and she comes in with this, this jar. And the text says it's a, it's a pound. Uh, the Greek word is litra. Uh, so that's like 11 to 12 ounces. So think in your mind, your favorite um, pop soda is what I say, or Coke, but pop, whatever, soda. Your favorite can of, of whatever it is, that's how big this is. So uh, 11 to 12 ounces. So, and Mary, she takes this, this jar, uh, and, it's, and, and she goes over to Jesus, and they would lay down at these tables. They wouldn't sit, they would lay down. And so Jesus goes 
go, or Mary goes to Jesus and she, she has this perfume uh, and it, she goes to his feet. And she, she uncorks it or unscrews it, I don't know what it was like, and, and just begins to pour it on his feet. She doesn't, she doesn't like sprinkle it. She doesn't, it's not, she doesn't spr- it doesn't have like a little spritzer, right? Like we think of perfume now. She pours it, anoints his feet with this oil. And everyone is watching and it's so, and they're like, that's weird. That's strange. And then to make things even weirder, she leans down and uses her hair, her hair to start wiping and cleaning Jesus' feet. What, what's going on? Like, this is so weird. Even in their day when feet washing is like a relatively normal thing, you didn't do it with that much perfume and you didn't do it with your hair. You used a towel or a rag. So what is Mary doing? Well, first, she probably got this idea. Mary traveled with Jesus often, and she actually probably got this idea from uh, another woman who did this, uh, and it's, a, it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, a woman who is a prostitute. She comes into a Pharisee's house where Jesus is eating, and she lays at his feet and begins to sob and weep, and she uses her tears to clean Jesus' feet, and, and like Mary, wipes his feet with uh, her hair. And Jesus says this. He responds to, to that woman. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so Mary, she saw this story, and now she has Jesus with her in her house, and so she thinks, I can do something just like that. And she knew that faith is what would save her, but faith was not just like believing really, 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 really hard. That's not what faith was. She knew that faith, what, what, what James would later write in his, in his letter, that faith without works is dead, and she wanted to show honor and reverence and faith to Jesus after he had performed this amazing miracle in resurrecting Lazarus. So to honor him, she goes and she sits at his feet, which feet are gross now. Like, keep your feet away from me. Feet are gross, but in, in the first century, feet were really gross. They'd been, they'd been walking around all day. They, they didn't have closed-toed shoes, right? open-toed sandals. They'd been walking around, and they were covered in, in dust and mud and animal excrement. And there was no indoor plumbing, so likely human excrement. So you think feet are gross now. They were really gross then. And Jesus was not like some pristine, like super clean, mighty. He's, like, he's not like, like Mr. Clean, like it's like ding, like how clean his head is, kind of like my head was a couple weeks ago. He was, he was not floating above it all. He had a real human body that was dusty and grimy and nasty, and it probably stunk. Like, like it's weird to think, but Jesus probably stunk. That's not heresy or anything. Like he, he, he stunk. He wasn't, he, he, he wasn't, he wasn't, a perfect, he didn't have a perfect body. So Mary goes over to these disgusting, nasty, grimy, muddy feet, and she pours this bottle of perfume, and she uses not something that she can throw off, not something she can, she can get rid of. She uses something that is attached to her, something personal. She uses her hair. She sacrifices something that is literally attached to her body to honor Christ. She sacrifices the cleanliness 
and the, the, the softness, the waves of her hair to wipe excrement off Jesus' feet. And then there's a, another character that enters the story, and, and this is Judas. And he has had enough of this little showing. He's done. And we're going to talk about Judas more in a second. But he, he gives us, in his sort of rebuke, whatever this is, he gives us some essential information about this oil in verse 5. And he says, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So 300 denarii, if you look down, uh, if, if you have footnotes, a denarii is about um, one day's wages. One day's wages. And uh, uh, so it's 300 days wages. And so let's say $7 minimum wage. Uh, it's a little bit higher now, but let's just say $7. And they worked, we know, 12-hour work days. So 12-hour work days, $7 uh, minimum wage, uh, multiplied by 300 days. Any mathematicians out there? $25,000. Mary gave much. $25,000. So you see, Mary knew who Jesus was. Mary had seen the things that Jesus has done, and so she knew what Jesus deserved. And she knew that he deserved so much more than just a night out with friends and a meal and fun. She wanted to show the utmost honor, the utmost affection. She wanted to lavish him with love and with praise and with worship. She wanted to match the worth of Jesus with everything she had. So she gave much. She poured $25,000 worth of oil on his feet and then wiped the mud and the dirt and the nastiness off with her own hair because she knew that that's what Jesus deserved. She knew he was worth it. So seeing a story like that makes us question, do our affections match the worth of Jesus? And by our affections, I mean our acts of love, of, of service, of honor, of giving. Are those actions that we take, those, those things we do to honor Jesus, are they in harmony with his worth? Let's just, let's just, let's just think practically, right? How much do you think Jesus is worth? It's not really a question we can answer, but we answer it every day with how we live our life. So some people think he's worth uh, one morning a week and one evening a week. And 10% a month. Seems like a good line. That's what I think uh, Jesus is worth. That of uh, our 168 hours a week, Jesus is worth about six of them. And that if we had a $25,000 jar of oil or perfume, that Jesus was worth about $2,500 of that. Some of us think our comfort is worth more than Jesus because when you're asked to serve or to do something that makes you uncomfortable, you think, well, that's not really my thing. I'm not really called to that. I'll leave that to someone in ministry, or I'll leave someone uh, that's more gifted in that. Or maybe we think our time, Jesus is not worth our time, because we think, man, I would love to study his word, his given word every day. I just don't have time. I've got, I've got kids, I've got sports, I've got work. But we do 
when we, when we say these things, when we do these things with our actions, we are saying, Jesus, I don't think you're worth it. I was at Chipotle uh, this week with Brian. Where'd Brian go? Where is he? Where? Oh, there he is with Brian. You're usually in the middle. I didn't know where to look. So usually, uh, uh, so I was, at, I was uh, at Chipotle with Brian, and we were sitting down, and we were eating, and this guy comes in, or he was leaving, and he, he threw away his trash, and he kind of stopped, and like, I mean, the door is here, right? So he's throwing away his trash, and, and he turns, and he comes, and he walks up to our table, and he just says one thing, and he says, hey, do you guys have a relationship with Jesus? And I was wearing my fellowship hoodie, and so I kind of was just like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, but it was funny, it was a funny, he was like, oh, I didn't even see the hoodie, and so we laughed, and, and we talked about it, but then Brian and I got to talk, and we said, that guy cared about our soul. He cared about me for no reason other than just, I see this man that I've never met before, eating at Chipotle, and I want to know if he knows Jesus. Because if he doesn't, that's a big deal. And it's such a big deal that he knows Jesus that I'm willing to risk uh, getting embarrassed. I'm willing to risk getting uh, cussed out or chewed out, uh, any awkwardness or hatefulness. I'm, I'm willing to risk these guys laughing in my face because I think them knowing Jesus is worth it. He saw Jesus as more important, as more worthy than all of those things, and all he had to do was ask one simple question. So I don't, I don't want you to, please, please, don't hear me being a legalist or embarrassing you or, or calling you out or stepping on your toes. That is not my goal, but that is just the question that this text begs. How much is Jesus worth? We see that Mary thought Jesus was worth everything. She sacrificed, she gave, she served, and she, didn't, she, she did the work that no one even thought of doing. Like, everything was done. They were ready to enjoy it, but she wanted to do something more. And this, I love this part of the story. There's, there's one line, and it seems kind of throwaway line. It's in, um, it's in verse 3. Uh, it says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And then this, this seems like throwaway. It seems like such weird information to give. But the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Everyone benefited from Mary's act of service, from Mary's affections, from Mary's love. Everybody benefited from it. It, wasn't, it was directed at Jesus, but then everyone in the room, because it did not smell great in that room, we know about their feet. It smelled bad in there, but then it didn't. People were probably walking by like, I know when I put on cologne, if I put on like, I mean, this, this, this too much. Like, I mean, the tiniest bit too much. It's like, I'm changing shirts. This smells terrible. Like, this, this smells, it's, it smells way too strong. So can you imagine just pouring the whole bottle, a whole can of Coke filled with perfume? There are probably people walking by her house that are like, what's going on in there? And they, they want to come look. So everyone, Everyone in the area can, can smell, can sense this worship, this service, this praise. John Piper puts it best when he said, worship can never stay private. It can always be sensed 
and it can always be smelled. So church, do the people around you sense your worship? Smell your praise? Do you worship and serve and give like Mary? She gave much because she knew that Jesus was worth it. So right now you have to sit and you have to ask, what am I willing to give? Or maybe more importantly, what am I unwilling to give? Is it comfort? Is it money? Is it time? Is it anger that you've held against someone and need to let go of? Because if we cling to those things that, that we love, that we're not willing to give up and serve and sacrifice in the name of Jesus, then, then our reaction is actually more like verses 5 and 6 than it is like verse 4, verse like 3 and 4. We look more like Judas than we look like Mary. So the first part, Mary gave much. She gave much. And we have this 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 scoffer in here. We have Judas. So the second thing that happens is Judas cared little. He cared little. He did not care that of what about what Mary was doing. He didn't he thought it was a show. He didn't care for the smell. He didn't care about any of this. So everyone is watching this act of service and Judas pipes up and is like, "Well, why didn't we give all that money to the poor?" I'm about to teach you you something. That's called virtue signaling. If you don't know what that is, I'm about to teach you. So virtue signaling is when you publicly express an idea to prove your own good and your own moral character. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't doesn't sacrifice anything. It doesn't demand anything of yourself. You just say something, and it makes you look morally upright. So Judas wants to look like the good guy here, but secretly, and it tells us this, John tells us this, that he just wants the money. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. So he, he's virtue signaling. He's saying, hey, couldn't we have done something better with that oil? Jesus didn't, or Judas didn't care about the act to Jesus. So Mary, we see her love of Jesus in her action, and we see that Judas loves something else in his inaction and in his calling out. We see this path of the love of what Judas played play out. So Mary acts and serves and sacrifices for Jesus, and, and uh, we see this is the last time that, that they see each other before Jesus has died. And so they, th- we see her reward. But as we follow Judas's life and we follow this love of money and sin, we see where that ends up. Mary acts and serves Jesus, hangs on his every word, and Judas has been with him for three years and ignores it. Mary thought the feet of Jesus were worth giving up $25,000. Judas figured that Jesus' life was worth a couple hundred, 30 pieces of silver, about $200. And so we know that's the last thing we hear about Mary of Bethany, and she has done well. She has done good. But the last word we hear about Judas Iscariot and his love of money is suicide. It's death. That is a warning to us, church, that we will be tempted many times to trade in the worthiness of Christ, and that that, if we trade in, if we give in to that temptation, that that will lead us to death. I don't want you to hear me say that that, that money is why Jesus or is why Judas did this, but the love of money. But how do you come to love something two ways? You either admire it from afar or you do whatever you can to get it. You surround yourself with it. You trick yourself into thinking that that thing will satisfy your heart. 
See, money is like a fire. We need it for warmth, to cook, but as soon as we get more and more and more and we can't control it, it will burn us up. Judas loves the money more than he loves Jesus. So in Judas's heart, what is Jesus worth? Not that oil. He believed that his own self-righteousness was worth more than Jesus. He believed that lining his own pockets was worth more than Jesus. Mary is covering her hair in mud and nastiness, pouring $25,000 on Jesus' feet. And Judas is saying, why would she do that? She doesn't even get it. How many times are we more like Judas than we are like Mary? We want to give when it is easy and then defend and critique others when it's too hard for us to give. When Jesus demands something of us that we don't want to give up and we see someone sacrificing, how often do we jump to their attack? Do we attack them? We we critique them. Defending ourselves. So how much is Jesus worth? We're actually given a really clear answer of this in this text. So Mary gave much. Jesus, or Judas cares little. Here's the last thing. Jesus is worth everything. Mary gave much. Judas cares little. And Jesus is worth everything. And there are two clues in this text that point us to the worth of Jesus. So in verse 7, when when Jesus rebukes Judas and tells him that Mary is right to do what she has done because you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. So it's easy. The first time I read this, I read it as like snarky or sassy or something. But actually what Jesus is doing is he's inviting Judas to take part in something. He's saying, Judas, you have your whole life to serve the poor. And I hope you do it, Judas. I hope that you will take my teaching and you will care for the least of these as you are called. But for right now... Be with me. Be with me. Serve me. Sacrifice for me. To be able to honor the poor, to help the needy, and to give them the help, we must first honor Christ. He is worth everything that we have. Before we can do any kind of social justice, and church, we are called to do social justice, we must first give all worth to Christ. We mustn't sacrifice the gospel in the name of social causes because Jesus is worth more than all of those things because he is worth everything. And then the second clue is this. This is how much Jesus is worth. He tells Judas to leave her alone because she is preparing it, the oil, for her burial. For his burial, sorry. She was preparing it for his burial. And, and a lot of people are like, yeah, she didn't use it at the right time. He's not dead yet. But I think this is what Jesus is getting at. He's telling everyone in the room that has heard his teaching for years that Mary got it. She listened. She was paying attention and she knew what was about to happen just like Jesus knew what was about to happen. She knew that this was maybe the last time that she was going to see Jesus before he died. And she had been saving this oil for just that occasion. These other people had listened to Jesus and they had no idea what he was talking about. All the times that he told that he said he would be raised up and he would be killed and he would be taken from them. They didn't get it, but Mary got it. She hung on every word. 
She knew that his time was coming and it was coming soon because church, this story is a hinge. It's a turning point. Something big is about to happen and we know that actually not from the end of the story but from the beginning. Verse five words. Six days before the Passover. Because this Passover that was coming in six days was the last Passover that would ever come. That's the reason. This verse right here, because we know what is coming at this Passover, that is how we know how much Jesus is worth. Because he's going to show us in six days what we are worth to him. You want to know how much Jesus is worth? Just think about how much he paid for you. Here's what we're worth to Jesus. We were worth a flogging. We were worth thorns being shoved into his head. We were worth splinters of a cross digging in to his raw back. We were worth nails through hands, broken legs, lungs filling with blood until he died. That's how much you are worth to Jesus. You are worth something that you could never put value on, something that you could never steal, that something that you could never come back from. So they thought. Jesus gave all of that up for you. Do you want to know how much Jesus is worth? That's the question. How much is he worth? It's definitely more than 30 pieces of silver. Church, he's even worth more than $25,000 worth of perfume. If you want to know how much Jesus is worth, all you have to do is look at the cross. Because Jesus is worth giving everything. Because Jesus gave everything to you. Let's pray. Father God, your grace... didn't make sense to us. There was a point in our lives, and some of us may be there today, Father God, where we are like Judas. And we see these people giving up their time, giving up their money, singing songs about death and blood and people coming back to life, and we don't get it. Wouldn't our time be better spent serving someone else? Wouldn't our time be better spent giving money to a cause we care about, Father God? It doesn't make sense. But because you entered our story and you sent your son to die on a cross for us, Father God, to endure that, to say, you are my people and you are worth everything to me. And when your spirit moves in us and that makes sense and it clicks, Father God, we pray that we can be Mary's. That we are willing to give up everything that you have given us because you gave up everything for us. That no amount of money, no amount of service, no task, no calling is too much, Father God, because you are worth everything. The love, the grace, the peace that you bless us with is worth everything. So God, I pray that you move 
in us today, whether we are far from you or we are near to you, Father God. And for those who are far, I pray you use your spirit to soften their hearts, Father God, and to show them that your son's feet, gross, disgusting, nasty feet, are worth more than any amount of money in the world. Because the fact that he was a human and had feet and lived perfectly up into that and that those feet were pierced was for them was to give them life and breath and grace and love that is worth so much. And for those that are in your family, that are our brothers and sisters, God, I pray that you convict our hearts. We do not give much. We do not sacrifice things. We love our comfort. It is an idol to us. Our self-righteousness is an idol. Our self-image is an idol. Our money, our success are idols to us, Father God. Break them. Show us that they are not worthy of all praise, of all things, but you, you are the one who is worthy. Father God, show us these truths. Draw us closer to yourself because you are worthy. Your son is worthy. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said.